You are listening to the light of today with the powerful, life-changing Word of Christ that heals, delivers, transforms, and fills you with the Holy Spirit. Let God's truth burst forth into your heart. Stay tuned to the light of today with Chris Palmer. So, write this down. There's a Greek word. It's called horadzo. This Greek word means horizon. How many of you know that God has predetermined a destiny for people? Does everybody know that God has a destiny for you? Amen. The destiny that God has for mankind. Thank you, Sister Shauna. It is that we will all come to the knowledge of the truth. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, this is very clear. God is not willing that any should perish, but that every single person shall come to the knowledge of the truth. People that want to debate that scripture cannot get away from the language in 2 Timothy 1 verse 4 that says the same thing and the word all is very emphatic. It is all people. That means people in Iraq, the people in Iran, the Muslims, the Jews, the Buddhists, the Hindus, the gangbanger, the drug dealer, the prostitute. God is trying to get a hold of that person's heart. It wasn't just my heart he tried to get hold of. It wasn't just your heart. It's a little tiny, right? It wasn't just your heart he tried to get a hold of. He got a hold of it. But after he got a hold of your heart, he said, Is it possible that maybe you could start praying so that I can act through you? So that I can get a hold of your sister's heart? Or your daughter's heart? Uh, because, yes, you met destiny. Congratulations. You found the meaning of life. And that's Jesus. But your sister hasn't. Or your cousin hasn't. So what I need you to do is give yourself to setting up. Setting up a meeting with destiny. Okay. The word orazo in the word of God. And I'll take you scriptures. You can find me afterwards. I'll give you scriptures. But for sake of time. It's a horizon. It means an appointed time. Amen. It means a set and determined plan. There's a destiny God has for people. That's why it's called horizon. When you think of what a horizon is, that is where the natural meets the heavens. That is when you look, I know you've been on a cruise, you've been at the beach, and you look past and you see all that water and that beach, and at the end of that water, it's not the end of the water, it's where the water in your perspective meets the heavens. It's beautiful. This is where natural is meeting the heavens, and that's destiny. And look at this. God wants in every person's life their natural to meet heaven. There is a meeting that God has predestined in every person's life for them to meet their heavenly father Amen. where I, you look at somebody and say what about my son he's rebellious when is he going to have his meeting when is his earth going to meet the heavens and you know what God is saying for this destiny to take place in people's lives there has to be prayer Am I preaching too strong for you tonight? Awesome. I want you to catch it. I want you to be like, I want to get out of here. And I want to go pray. I want to go into my closet and ask God, touch my job. Touch the people in my city. Touch the people in my church. I pray that they get filled with the Holy Ghost. Touch Novi. Touch the airport. Touch the Muslims. Let them get that destiny and receive Jesus. 
But it will not happen until there is a praying people. Amen. Amen. So you have to set your heart to begin to pray. Are you here tonight? So intercession in the scriptures, what I want to talk about is when you pray and start cooperating with heaven. Write this down if you're taking notes. When you pray and cooperate with heaven, two meetings take place. That is a meeting with you meet the Father. So when you intercede, the very first meeting that takes place is you go before God and meet the Father. And after you do that, destiny is released in a person's life. And that person, God meets with that person. Amen. So you meet with the Father. Right. And then the Father meets with the person That's you're right. praying for. That's right. Yep. You say, well... <laughs> That's nice to believe that, but you don't understand. My family member, my uncle, my aunt, my you know, cousin, my brother, my whoever, your friend from high school who just found you on Facebook now, and you say, I've been praying for this person, but they haven't experienced God. You know what? God wants to reach that person, and He's waiting. He's standing there like this, and He's saying, well, somebody please pray. Set my, give me some authority. You say, why? I just told you. Because God has forever linked Himself to the prayers of mankind. He wants to work, but he says, I'm linked with humanity. I am humanity. I am all things. I am God. Humanity, 100% man, 100% God. Please pray. When you start praying, think about this. All church starts praying. Every person here tonight starts praying. You come before God. You say, okay, I want to start praying. And, and you start praying, and all of a sudden, something begins to happen. Brother Al starts praying for a lost relative. And that person starts coming to know Jesus. Brother Jordan starts praying for a lost friend. That person starts coming to Jesus. Sister Anita, Sister Latanya, Heather. Everyone starts praying. Guess what starts happening in the city? People coming to know Jesus. And now, and now, we are no longer in a state as a church. We're no longer in a state of religion. You know what we're in? We're in a movement. Too many times, churches come, it's a state. It is a position. We, this is our church. My God, come in, have a coffee, have a donut, hear some cool music, have a, uh, some lights, some smoke. In this church, great. You come into the Christmas pageant, there's tickets in the back. That's fine and dandy. But you know what God wants? Pray! Yes. Hallelujah. Why? Because if you pray, I will start meeting with people. You know, we have prayer. You know what? God told me this one time. He spoke this to me. He talks to you. I can say God talked to me because He speaks. If it's not right, don't believe it. He spoke to me and said, If people will start praying, I will start moving. What? I said, but people pray. He, I said, they pray. God says, many people only pray. Mm. And they never connect to me. And all they're doing is talking to themselves. Mm. Mm. 
Well, God, we just thank you today for what you're doing. We just thank you, oh God. And you're only doing it because you know you should be doing it. You're not doing it because you care. You're doing it to relieve some religious guilt off you. I haven't prayed in nine days. Haven't prayed, you know what I'm going to do? I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go pray. Put your iPhone down for 10 minutes. You go in your room. You're upset because the Hillsong Pandora channel is not working. Going to have to do this without Hillsongs this time. By golly, I don't want to do this without Jesus culture. You go in there. God, I pray. Okay, good. You walk out. See, I prayed. How come God's not moving? I didn't pray because you didn't wait until the Father showed up and you couldn't meet with Him. Today I got in prayer. I was busy today. I got in prayer and I said, okay, I got an hour and a half. I started praying. 40 minutes goes by, nothing. Why is God not, why is there no presence here? I'm just talking and talking. But about 45 minutes, something shifted. I felt something in my belly just pop. God said, do you want to stay? I said, yeah, I want to stay. You're here. Guess what started happening when I started praying? Power started coming through. I started feeling the role of the mediator working in my heart. But I had to stay there for 45 minutes and wait for that to happen. Now it wasn't me talking to myself. This was me talking to the Father. God touched the people. Open up the people's life. I put back every spirit in Jesus' name. I kick down every door. I'll fast. I'll pray until it happens. Yeah. This is how you lay your life down because guess what? A mediator is not working for himself. A mediator is working for somebody who sent him. I am a mediator and God is my boss. And if you say make peace between me and your friend, guess what? That's my job. You work for God, he works for you. Do you believe that? So, are you ready to intercede for some people tonight? I'm ready to intercede. Write this down if you're taking notes. Oh, this is good. What I'm about to say, this might be the best line of the night. So get your catcher out. Someone go like this. I got my catcher out. Come on. Let's catch this. Catch this. And if it's hot in here tonight, it, I will make sure next week that, that we're not in, in, in Nebuchadnezzar's oven, okay? No, I'll, I'll, well, then you'll see my sweat on my armpit. Okay. <laughs> okay. Intercession. This will, you'll see how valuable this is. Intercession is the provision of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus working through a person who is praying in faith. What's intercession? It is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Like an engine working through you in behalf of another person. Oh, that gets me excited. I'm saying, really? This is why when you're interceding, how many of you interceding you know what I'm talking about tonight? Amen. I mean, you, you, you were interceding, you felt this charge going through you. Brother, what's that charge? You know what that charge is? That is the power. That's the DBA. The death, burial, and res DBR. The death, burial, and resurrection. Churning inside of you. Churning inside of you. Churning. This is why when you get out of intercession, you feel powerful. Amen. Yeah. First person's life. 
Amen? You start interceding and people start having encounters with God. So, write this down. Number one, God wants to reconnect with other people through us. Yeah, take your notes, write this down. God wants to reconnect with other people through you. Brett, God wants to reconnect with other people through you. Through churches. God is trying to reconnect with other people. This happens in intercession. Number four. Number, I'll skip over number three. Put this, this is your number three. In intercession, a meeting with God. God cuts off the blinders in his people's hearts and removes bondage. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. Write this down if you're taking notes. It says, I'll quote it because I have a lot to get through. I, you know, if you want my notes, there's about 40 scriptures on here. I'll give them to you afterwards. I'll just email them to you. Give your email to Shar and the notes will come to you this week. But for sake of time, I have to brush over some of these. I've got, I got like five pages here. Amen? Amen. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, the Bible says, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ Jesus shines into their heart. Do you believe that? Uh, now, go with me to Ephesians chapter 4. I want you to see this tonight. Ephesians 4. Someone say amen. Amen. Someone say teach me. Teach. Okay, I'll teach you. Verse number 17 of Ephesians chapter 4. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that henceforth you do not walk as other Gentiles walk. He's talking to Gentiles. He's saying don't walk the way the world's walked. In the vanity of their minds. So he tells you the biggest problem in the world system today is up here. Yes. The prison. Thank you. The issue yes. of sin is created in the mind. Yes. Thank you. The blinder is up here. The reason why there is an ISIS in the world is because what they think up here. And it's not them who's controlling it. Do you know who it is? It is a black darkness. It is a vanity, a spirit, a devil, a demon, a principality, and it is a spiritual power that is controlling this right here. Amen. That's right. And it's not just for ISIS, it's for rebellious people. Right, right. I was studying the Word of God today. Proverbs chapter 26 talks about. Fools. I pity the fool. Remember Mr. T would say that? You know what the Bible would tell you? You shouldn't pity a fool. You should stay away from a fool. A fool's problem is this. Yes. Like a dog that returns to their vomit. So is a fool. Well, what's that mean? That means that you ever see a dog? Dog's eating out of the trash can. You know, like that movie Christmas Vacation, a dog sitting there. You remember seeing that scene in the movie? It's hilarious. The dog's eating the trash can. They say, where's all this trash? Oh, your dog's been in there. And the dog, you know, the dog eats, can't just keep eating out the trash can. It's going to get sick. Dog is sick. 
moaning, wagging his tail around, regretting that he was doing what he was doing, just want some relief. Oh, if I could just have some relief. And all of a sudden the dog, excuse the crude example the Bible gives it, the dog goes and vomits. Then he gets relief. Forgets all about the misery that eating out of the trash can caused it. And guess what? His vomit starts to smell good again. So he goes right back to it and starts licking it up. What's the dog's problem? Was it that he got sick? No. The dog's problem was he never learns. He always forgets the problem of sin. He forgets the misery it caused or he doesn't count the cost of the misery. So he goes right back to it again. You ever see people like that? Causing all these problems. Yep. Causing issues, Brother Al. And then the consequences start beating down on their head. And they come running back to the church. You see them, you say, that person must be in some bad shape. Pastor, pastor, you don't understand. You don't understand. Oh, pastor. And you find out their problem is they've been in the clubs all the time. You can't keep them out the clubs. But they say, I promise you, God helps me this time. I won't be in the club again. God helps them. They're in church for two weeks. And then you see a post on Facebook, and they're back in the club. And guess what? Four weeks later, they're back in church. And guess what they're doing? Playing games with the mercy of God. After a while. But do you know what God wants people to do? You can't tame a fool. You can only pray for a fool. You can't talk to a fool. George, stand up for a second. I want to show you this. I'll show you the importance of being, praying for people. Is because, stand right here, Jordan. Now watch this, catch this. I want you to see the power of prayer when it comes to dealing with people who are blind. Jordan is going to be Joe the sinner. He's a big sinner, amen? Jordan's Joe the sinner. You know, he's out there, Righteous living, mom and dad is praying for them, but Joe just wants to keep on sinning. And what is his problem? I'll show you his problem. Joe's problem is not that he's a bad person. Joe's problem is not that, that, that his mom and dad have instructed him. Joe's problem is that he has blinders on. I mean to mess your hair up, Jordan. I know you worked on it a long time. Jordan is single, by the way. Jordan has blinders on you see this? Now this might look silly, but in the spirit, this is what a fool looks like. And you know what he does? Repeats his action. So Jordan, he spin around and around and around and around and around, doing the same stupid stuff, same stupid issues. Mom and dad come in, Jordan, why do you go to the club? Why do you keep doing that? Why do you keep doing that kind of stuff? Don't you know it's going to get you in trouble? And Jordan says, yeah, I know mom and dad, but you know what? His mom and dad's problem is that Pin the tail on the donkey. Here's the tail. No, it's just Jordan's problem is his eyes are blinded. And unless the people are spiritual, they'll never see this. Same goes not just with people living in rebellion. It goes with false religion. People that think that, you know, that, that there are many ways to God, but it's only Jesus. Your talk show hosts. All this kind of people. But you know what living life of blindness is going to eventually do? It's going to eventually lead you into something called bondage. Someone say bondage. bondage. Now Jordan is in bondage. 
this is what this is. So now, bondage, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. This is the repeat consequences of your sin. Bondage is addiction. Bondage is habit. Bondage is when you lose control of your ability to resist. You say, I, I can resist smoking, but you can't. I can resist pornography, but you can't. I can resist fornication, but you can't. The problem is, you're in bondage. So now Jordan has blinders on and he's in bondage. And you know, the devil come walking forward, Jordan, a little bit. The devil does his best. And you know, a person in bondage, unless they get free, guess what's going to happen? Better come up here. They're going to get involved in more bondage. Hold this. Okay, look at Jordan. He looks like he's in bad shape, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. All it was was going to the club one time. It was just, you know, it just started with a kiss. Just, just one little, one click of the internet. He didn't think it was going to turn into this. Guess what? Now, his hands are no good for the kingdom of God. His feet are no good for the kingdom of God. He can't take marching orders. He can't do anything. He can't, and guess what people are going to do? Brett's the adult. Brett's his parent. Brett's his friend. Brett's his pastor. And he says, he starts screaming. And he say, Jordan, why do you do that? He says, I don't know. Jordan, why do you keep doing it? I don't know. I don't know. And you waste all this energy on somebody that cannot see you. His ears are plugged. He cannot hear you. He can't do nothing. And all you're doing is, why is he doing that? You go see counselors. Why is my kid doing that? Why is, this, why is my family doing this? Why is my, why is my husband doing this? Why is he doing it? And guess what you're not doing? No prayer. Right. Mm. Glory to God. Oh, glory to God. Yes, Lord. Glory to God. My family's a mess because people are in bondage. Yes. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. You say, you know, I knew a person. I can't believe they did what they did. I mean, they looked like such a good person. This was them in the spirit. But they came to church, but this was them in the spirit. But they led Bible study. This was them in the spirit. But then, you know, this parent over here, Brett's a dad. He's a wise dad. So he eats some good teaching. And all of a sudden, he decides he's going to start praying. Because do you know what prayer does? Prayer is God's weapon. When everything else... I know it's simple. But you, need, you won't forget it after seeing this. Then somebody comes along with prayer. Yes. Come on, prayer. And they say, I'm going to start praying. So they go in their prayer closet and they start saying, we pray for Jordan. We pray that the eyes of his understanding be enlightened. But wait a second. This may not just represent a person. This can represent a community. Wait a second. How about a religious community? How about a society? Uh, Novi, a city. Start praying. And guess what starts happening? The eyes of their understanding start to become enlightened. And guess what starts happening? The light of the glorious gospel starts shining into their hearts. And they look at themselves and they say, What am I doing in this bondage? Glory. 
Hallelujah. Glory to God. I've been bound this whole time. I, I, I could be living a better life. Hallelujah. <laughs> and then the prayer starts to become effectual. And the prayer starts doing what you could. Don't cut him. You can't. Uh, oh my gosh, he's free. And then he's just one step away. Here. Oh, 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 oh he's free. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Jesus. That is prayer. Amen. Say, why do I have to pray? Because if you don't pray, you have no weapon. Well, I, you know, I, I don't need to pray. You know, brother, let the pastor pray. Well, the pastor only has so much time, okay? The pastor can't pray for everybody. That's right. Well, you know, we, brother, we, we asked the pastor to do a hospital visit. He didn't come by yet. Well, you go in there and lay hands on the sick until he gets there. Yes. Amen. Anyone blaming the pastors? Listen, you are the answer. You are the mediator. When are we going to find you? want to give me a high five? Give me a high five in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Yeah. Okay. Do you understand that tonight? Yeah. Yeah. Making good time. Okay. I want to talk to you now about the results of praying. The results of praying. The results of prayer. So, you're interceding for people. You're asking God to touch people. You're asking God to send forth laborers into the harvest. Then, you start... Remaining in prayer. You continue in it. Prayer is not something that we do until we have a victory. Prayer is something we do and get victories. That means that, you know, just because I had a victory today in prayer doesn't mean I stop praying until the next problem comes along. Because there's intercessory prayer. Every day I'm praying for people until I, I, I get that breakthrough. But when you establish your own relationship with God, I want to give to you some of the results. Go with me to Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Luke 11, verse 1. How many are you going to pray for people that are blind? Luke chapter 11 and verse 1. I want us to become people of prayer. You know, when I'm on the road preaching, the greatest services I have ever had are the churches that pray before I get there. And I can go into a church and I can see this pastor, this minister, values prayer and has had his people praying and that's why we have great moves of God. When I don't have good services, a lot of times, or it's for various reasons, not that they're not good services, but services that produce fruit, there's no value on prayer. You can always tell when you go into a church, a church that's praying. There's an expectation in the air. There is a vibration. There is, it's not just lights and smoke and fun and, and cider and donuts and the fall fun festival. Hot dogs after. That's good. I like hot dogs. Save me one. But what it is, is people that are, We pray right now, God. We pray. We pray, God. God, touch. God, heal people. Deliver people. And you, Brother Al's been praying. And, and Brother Jordan's been praying. And Sister Sean has been praying. And Sister Sarah's been praying. And everybody. But you don't know they're praying. We just, you're, it's, prayer is embedded in the fabric of the church. Yeah. It is, prayer is not, is in the kingdom of God. You can write this down. In the kingdom of God. Prayer is as much of the culture as song and dance and, and, and music is in other cultures. Amen. Amen. 
Yeah. Yeah, you go to another country, they got the language. Why did I go in here in uh, Swiss German? In Switzerland, that's their culture. Why did I hear uh, uh, English in England? That's their culture. Why French and why in the kingdom? Prayer. Part of our culture. Part of this church's culture. We pray for people until we see results. When people are bound, they're not looking for a nice stage. When people are bound, they're looking, can this church get me free? That's right. Amen. Can, if I come to this church, can I be delivered without the flakiness, without the goofiness, without the excess? Do you have the power to get me free? Yes, Lord. Yeah, brother. We got the power, all right. I've been to a couple conferences lately, and I heard this teacher preaching. I got a CD and listened to it a few times. It's good. Do you pray? No, you don't have power. Amen. <laughs> well, you know, we're having a conference. Come to the conference. I can't wait three weeks. Deliver me now. Do you pray? No. No prayer, no power. That's simple. Well, you know, we know how to pray. Yeah, but that's the only time you pray is on stage. The only time you pray is pre-service prayer in church. The only time you pray is early morning prayer. Stop praying those hours and pray all day. Yes, Lord. Yes. 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 Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Because when you pray and intercede, things are going to start happening. Luke 11 verse 1 And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased, one of his disciples said, Lord teach us to pray. There was something so powerful about the effects of Jesus' prayer life that his disciples wanted to learn what he was doing in prayer. Notice he didn't ask a scribe. He didn't say to the Pharisees, you know, Nicodemus, teach me how to pray. No. He didn't say, Zacchaeus, teach me how to pray. No. He said, Jesus, teach me how to pray. Because there was results in his prayer life. Amen. Are you here tonight? Amen. Someone say results. Results. In my prayer life. Hallelujah. Number one. Write this down if you're taking notes. You can write this down. Thank you, Jesus. I believe in your life. If you value prayer, you'll see the fruit of it. I remember I was in Sicily and I was leaving and the Lord spoke to me and He said, Are you going to leave today and not spend time with me? I said, Well, I, I guess I have a half hour <laughs> sometimes when God gets used to seeing you in prayer he misses you when you're not there he didn't spend time with me do you not know if you seek the kingdom of God all these things will be added unto you you're so busy today I gotta run here run there do you know this do you know how a season of prayer is being inaugurated in your life what does that mean? It means that, yes, we're supposed to pray, but sometimes, we're supposed to pray whether God tells us to or not. Amen. He told us through His Word. But sometimes the Holy Spirit yeah. will draw you into prayer and say, it's time for you to start praying. A little bit longer this time. This is a season. You know what the inauguration is? Is when you start feeling extra OCD-ish. What do you mean? You know, you just get occupied with a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, I should clean the blender today. 
You know, I haven't fixed the car in a while. I need to go get it vacuumed out. The car's not even dirty. A couple leaves in the floor. Well, you know, I should probably uh, blow the garage out. The leaves are getting in. It's fall. Just extra OCDs. You know, you, okay, God, I'm going to go pray. And then all of a sudden, you start walking to the bedroom. And before long, you're in the kitchen fixing things, rearranging the drawer, <laughs> making sure the socks are all, the stripes are with the stripes, and the socks are with the socks. And, and what's going on? This is the enemy coming to you, making you feel yes. distracted. Yes. Yes. Fight it. Yes. Fight it. Yes. I don't care yes. if the socks or the stripes are with the yes. planes and the backs or with the blues. I don't care. I'm going to pray. Yeah. 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 That's what happens. You're. Oh, I got. Oh, I just. I got a wrinkle in my clothes, and you're praying, and then you start looking at the carpet and rearrange. No. Stay in prayer. Take your iPhone. Throw it up. Boot it out the door. Shut the door. Turn Pandora up. Turn your computer up, and start praying now. And then guess what happens? The presence of God shows up, and there's power. So when you pray, this is this is this is good. This is so good. When you pray, number one, life will enter into your daily conversations. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes in the preaching circles, this is how we say it. That brother's got something on his words. That preacher has something on his words. What do you mean? Well, two preachers can get up there and share the same truths. But one of them, when he starts sharing it, transformation approaches your door and starts knocking. Why? Because that minister has been praying. And I started noticing this. I said, God, why is it that a person that prays, their words are full of power? See, Luke chapter 4, verse 32. You can write that down. Luke 4, 32. He teaches not as one of the scribes, <coughs> but as one with power. Mm -hmm. They noticed that Jesus had something on his words. Mm -hmm. Well, this power came from being in the desert with God. Mm -hmm. And this is why a person that prays is consistently having their words or is used to having their words in that place of prayer Filled and inspired by the Spirit of God. So, like I was saying a minute ago, 45 minutes of prayer, no connection. 46th minute, connection. In that connection time, be it however long it lasts, your words are getting filled with a heavenly substance that is producing transformation. That heavenly substance is called life. Yeah. So now you're used to speaking words of life. And when you start getting those words of life, you start becoming acclimated to speaking words of life. And the pendulum starts to swing in your vocabulary and conversation to being words mostly of the earth until now you start speaking words mostly of heaven. And you start becoming used to that culture. For instance, when I went to Italy the first time, I came back and I couldn't pronounce certain words the way that I used to pronounce them. And it happens when you're there a long time. See, Italians or uh, the Spanish, they sing their words. You say, how are you doing today? They say, how are you doing today? <laughs> it is good to be here, brother. It's good to have you. 
You know, that's how they talk over there. They sing their words. It goes up and down. It's not because we're happy or sad. It's they sing it. And here it's like, what's going on, man? How you doing? You want to go to the store? Yeah, let's go to the store. And Brother Chris said, you want to go to the store? See, chat dog, you want to go to the store? That's how they talk. Because they vowel. So you go over there. You have nobody that talks English. So you have to talk their language. You start talking it. And guess what? Before long, you come back. Hey, Brother Al, how are you doing today? <laughs> Where's this guy been? He's been in Italy eating a pizza. You understand what I'm saying? You're not talking that way. Well, guess what starts happening in heaven? You start praying and asking God. God, I just pray. I start praying and all of a sudden you start coming out, releasing words of power, releasing words of authority. I was praying yesterday. I was pr Watch this. I was praying yesterday. Got out. Went to go get a coffee because I was fasting. I drink tons of coffee on a fast. I know it's terrible. Don't, put, don't pity me, okay? <laughs> go to the store. Uh, this woman stops me. How's that book you're reading? It says something about prayer and Arabic, not prayer, but uh, the word of God or something. I said, it's good. So we get in this conversation, right? She starts talking to me and she starts hearing the word of God come from my mouth. I start telling her, she wanted to challenge me. I said, you want me to tell you something, sister? I said, I know you believe what you do about the Bible. I'm not here to tear, tear it down. I'm here to build up. Mm -hmm. If you want to have this conversation, you're not out to prove me wrong. I'm not out to prove you wrong. Let's talk about what truth is, though. She backed away. Would well, you even know what I do? I said, I know exactly what you do. You're a lawyer. She said, how do you know I'm a lawyer? I says, you'd be surprised what I know. <laughs> Where's it coming? That didn't happen to you. It did happen to me. Why? Because when you're used to hearing God, He'll speak to you when you need to hear something from Him. So you know what she said? She says, I want to talk to you again. I'm bringing someone else with me to talk to you. I says, you can invite Him and as many other people as you want. You can even phone a friend if you want to. How about that? But I'm not here to tear you down. I'm here to build you up. We're going to talk about Jesus in a way that lifts Him up. So you'll have something in your words. Okay, number two, write this down. When you pray... You will enter into a walk of authority. Acts chapter 3, verse 1 and 8. John and Peter are going to the temple because they're committed to prayer. It wasn't something they ever did in the blue moon. They were going to the temple to pray. They were still keeping Jewish customs at the time. But they had their own prayer life. That's how committed they were to prayer. They still acted as Jews. But they were going to pray. Because they were, because even though Jesus had left them, they were still praying. Hey, you guys, I know it's a little hot here. Can we get them to turn the air up a little higher, please? It's very hot. Thanks, Brett. You cannot separate the authority in your prayer closet from the authority that you walk in in your life. The authority that you ex experience in your prayer closet will be the degree of authority that you walk in in your prayer life, in, in your regular life. So when you're committed to prayer, when you're committed to praying, committed to praying, and I mean like I said, I just define prayer, <coughs> praying as a group, until you get that breakthrough, when you're committed to praying, and you're committed to that, authority will be committed to you. Mm. I'm committed to praying, I'm committed to praying, guess what starts following you? Authority. Where you come from authority? Well, you've been praying, right? Yeah. Well, I was sent to you to just back you up. Mm, that's right. Come on. I didn't ask for you. I know, but you were praying. I know, but are you ever going to leave me? Stop praying, and, and, and you will not recognize me anymore. Mm. 
Not that you don't have authority, you just forget what kind of authority follows you when you go places. But then you start praying and you say, oh my gosh, I have authority. Why? It's not because it was sent, it's because you recognize it now. You can talk to people with confidence. You're not ashamed about your church. You're not ashamed about anything. You're not ashamed about Jesus. Why? Because you are continually meeting with them in the place of prayer. Number three. When you pray, you walk with confidence. You ever see someone walking with confidence? Not like the Saturday Night Fever, John Travolta, white suit, black shirt type confidence. You know when he's walking to the paint store? Saturday Night Fever. You ever see, you see how he walked? It's arrogance. Just walking like this way in the kingdom of God. You're supposed to walk with arrogance, but you're supposed to walk with confidence. Because anybody that has confidence is a person that has authority. You ever see a world leader? They don't just not look you in the eye. Oh, brother. <laughs> The president is here. That's nice to meet Jordan. God bless you. <laughs> president will look you in the eye because he's got some authority. You don't see police officers when you call them. It's nice to meet you. I'm Officer Dan. Yeah, you called me. Yeah. Uh -huh. Officer Dan is going to come in and say, "You called. I have a gun. I have authority. I have a uniform. I need to take action. I can take action." Right? Philippians uh, chapter four, verse six says that not to be anxious about every, anything but by everything with prayer submit your request to God see the, people, the reason why people can't walk with confidence is because people are so worried about everything they're upset they're burdened by cares right Pastor Al? Yep, what am I going to do? Amen you must pray not me. Uh, you know, what am I going to do? I, 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 I got bills to pay. I, I oh, oh, life. Oh, oh, oh. Come to church. And, oh, how you doing? Yeah, I just feel like I got ran over by a truck today. But when you pray, you don't think that way. Because prayer is dumping your cares onto God. There comes a time where there has to be a release of your cares. There ha you know, they were telling me I need to work out more because when you don't work out, your lactic acid is not being released the way it should in your body. Your endorphins are not being released. There has to be a time where it's released. If it's not, it's not healthy. Okay. And prayer. When you come into the place of prayer every day, you're releasing those cares and it's producing health. You're releasing. God says, come to me. Dump your cares upon me. Dump your burdens upon me. Dump your issues upon me. Come to me and tell me what it is that you need. And don't you know that I will meet it with my strong right hand of power? That's it. Yeah. God says, come, just come to me. He's like, God, I got stuff to do today. You want to carry that burden yourself? Or are you going to let me carry it for you? And when you go in the place of prayer and God starts carrying that burden for you, you walk out feeling light. What do you want to do today? But you got bills to pay. I know, but God's going to take care of them. Yeah, that's right. But you know, you it's okay. God's working behind the scene. He's making a way. Come on, come on. I got a word from God. You become lighthearted. Give me a jump rope. Give me a hula hoop. I feel like just being lighthearted yeah. today. Give me a skip it. My God, I'm feeling yeah. joyful. Yeah. That's right. That's right. I'm going to try and beat my personal high score of 10. Amen. 
Okay, ready for this one? When you pray. This is number four. When you pray, you will hate sin. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 1. You know what people that don't pray, they will tolerate sin instead of hating sin. You ever have a point in your life where you start letting, you know, don't confess it, but you know, maybe back when you were immature, you just kind of start letting sin creep through the door. Maybe not doing the sin, but toying with the thought of sin. Hmm, maybe I can get away with that. Hmm, maybe I can, maybe I can do that. Do you know why that thought doesn't dissipate in your mind? Because you don't hate it. You kind of, it's kind of exciting to you. Hmm. Hmm. It's not a big sin, it's a small sin. Maybe quite inconsequential. Until you do it and then you have the next sin. And the next. This is what it says in verse number 9. Thou hast loved righteousness. And thou hast, Jordan, hated iniquity. Hated iniquity. So, when you pray, it will cause you to think, think about sin twice. People who sin and don't think twice are people that don't pray. Because what you prayed will check you when you think about getting in sin. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't pray on him. No, no, you can't do that because you just prayed again. You started the day saying, God, I come commit to being holy before you. I consecrate my life to you today. I want to honor you, Jesus, and my actions and my words and my deeds. And then someone cuts you off and you don't flip them the bird this time. Because you prayed. Amen. Uh, prayer creates in your mind a clean mindset. And you may think when the thought comes in, oh, this thought is evil. I'm not going to think about it. Because when you're praying, you develop that seeing and knowing. And when the sin begins to draw you in, somehow by the Spirit you will know what kind of consequence that sin is going to lead you into. Yeah. Because people that pray when it comes to sin are more conscious of the consequences than they are the action. And people that pray love to protect the fruit and they know that sin will damage the process of that fruit growing. And anything that would damage the process of this fruit is not of God. He is a good farmer. He is a good one that comes along and proves the Holy Spirit it prunes you. Amen. Amen. And you'll despise sin because you say, uh-oh, no devil, you are not getting my fruit. No way. You're not coming in here with those weeds and getting my fruit. Amen. Amen. When you pray, it becomes easy to obey God. You know, sometimes people, they, God says, uh, do this, and I don't know if I want to do that. Do this. I don't know if I want to do that. I mean, God, that, that, you want me to, you want me to say what to that person? Are you here tonight? Mm -hmm. When people pray, 
it becomes easy to obey. Acts chapter 9, if Ananias, here he is praying and God comes to him and says, Ananias, there's one by the name of Saul. Go and find him and pray for him and lay your hands on him and his eyes will come. Who? God? Saul? Okay, I'll go. But God found Ananias. He was praying. You know, God had to find someone that enjoyed prayer. Are we happy here tonight? Go ahead and smile at me if you're happy. You're learning something. You're writing these down. This is why we have to value prayer. When you're tired, you don't want to pray. You wait, oh, it's 6. I went to bed at, I went to bed at 1 o'clock last night. 5 hours of prayer, or 5 hours of sleep. And we get up and pray. Why? Well, I want things to change. God, how come you don't change things? You know, I mean, I go to church, I, I hear sermons. I, why don't you just do it, God? And God says, because prayer is what changes them. Maybe not overnight, but just start praying. Amen. Okay, this is a good one. Write this down. Number six, number six. Are we here tonight, church? Okay. When you pray, you will stop thinking so small. Go with me to Luke chapter 9. How many want to think big? Amen. No small thinkers allowed. You know, when you start thinking big, be careful because all the small thinkers will want to come along and make fun of you. I'll say that again. When you start thinking big, all the small thinkers are going to come along and start making fun of you. And the apostles, when they were returned, told him all that they had done. And he took them and went aside privately into a desert place belonging to the city called Bethsaida. This is the fact that Jesus and his disciples were going into prayer. And the disciples didn't know how to pray at this time. They were learning how to pray. Because in Luke 11, they asked Jesus to teach us how to pray. This is Jesus praying. Amen. So after they come out to pray, in verse number 12, And when the day began to wear away, the twelve came and says, Send the multitude away. They may go out in the towns and country round about and lodge and get victuals, for we are here in a desert place. They're thinking small now. We can't, we, they didn't even think of the possibility. The possibility didn't even occur to them that they could feed these people. Because they didn't pray. And they had not put on a heavenly mindset. They were not thinking the thoughts of heaven. And then, all of a sudden, Jesus pipes up and says, You give them something to eat. <laughs> Us? Give them something to eat? And he says, there's about 5,000 people here. And he says to them, oh, all we have here is five loaves and two fishes. And he says, make the disciples sit down by 50s in a company. And so they did. And he made them all sit down. And you know the story. He takes the five loaves, he takes the two fishes, and he blesses it, and he gives it to the people. Where did Jesus' big thinking come from? Prayer. 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 Alright, you got it. It comes from prayer. That's why you say, well, you know, you believe in God for a job and all you're thinking about is flipping burgers at McDonald's because you're not praying. Then all of a sudden you get in a place of prayer and you start thinking, you know, maybe I can get a desk job somewhere. 
Maybe I don't have to be around hot grease all the time unless you like hot grease. Maybe I can, maybe I can do this. And then you start believing for it. And guess what? Your faith connects to it and brings it into pass. Amen. Big thinking comes from big prayer lives. Hallelujah. A big thinking comes from a big word from God. And you're not going to get a big word from God until you start getting those small words from God, mastering those. And God says, okay, here's a big one for you. All right, yeah, now. That's right. I know you can. Yeah. Yes, I was waiting for the big one. Amen. Amen. When you pray, when you pray, this one is extremely powerful. This is why you want to get up tomorrow and go before the Lord. Is you develop seeing and knowing. You know things. I talk about this in my book, Living as a Spirit. The spirit of seeing and knowing comes upon you. You ever see Christians? I call them like ostriches. Ostrich Christians. Always got their head in the sand. <laughs> Couldn't tell you nothing. Zip. Zero zilch of any good about what God's doing in the earth. All they know about is the dirt going on in people's lives. You only have so much capacity for thinking. You start to, there's only so many thoughts you can think in a day. And if that's the case, the more time you devote to thinking about other people's problems, it's time taken away from thinking about what God's thinking about. Yes. And I can tell you this. If you have seen and known in your life and you're always having, like Colossians chapter 4 says, setting your mind on heavenly things, like 4-2 I think it is. If that's the case, you'll see how uncommon and powerful those thoughts are and you'll despise any less of a thinking. I love the thoughts of God. No, I don't want to think about what's going on in Sister Mary Sue's life because, well, I just don't care. Amen. Glory to God. Just don't care. You know what people do when they got nothing to do? Mm -hmm. They have nothing to do. They have zero. To, I'm talking about no thing. No thing to do. They fire the computer. They go on Facebook and they start reading what everybody's had for lunch. <laughs> Every five minutes, they know more about what's going on in other people's lives, and they don't pray. And they wonder why their life is a mess. Because all you're doing is reading about everybody else's mess. Am I talking to you tonight? Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, I just can't find time to pray. Mm. I just don't know. I just can't find time to pray. Mm. Then, then leave your Facebook account for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, don't make me do that. <laughs> Anything but send me to Congo, Lord Jesus, to preach. But don't make me give up Facebook. <laughs> I got good news. They got Facebook in Congo. Trust me, they're not that bad. <laughs> they got cars there too and stuff. It's cool. God is the power source. Okay, when you wait on God and connect with Him with prayer, He fills your mind with understanding. Isaiah 40, 31. 
go to me. Go. I'm gonna, this is. Oh, this is good. This is good. This is good. Isaiah 40:31. This is why I love to pray. Prayer is my. It's good. 40:31. Let's start in the 28th verse. We always start with the 31st verse. You know, let's go into the context here. Okay, give me just a few more minutes. We'll almost be done. Verse number 28. Are you learning something tonight? Yes. Are you receiving tonight? Yes. Someone say, I'm receiving. I'll be a person of prayer. All right. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard? Oh, wait a second here. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Are we talking about knowing and hearing? Yes, 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 yes. You know what a person who hasn't known and hasn't heard is? Ignorant. Do you know that ignorance in spiritual things is from the devil? God doesn't want us to be spiritually ignorant, right? Yeah. The creator of the ends of the earth fainteth not. Neither is he weary. There is no searching of his understanding. That means that his understanding is limitless. And guess what? He wants you to hear and know this understanding. He giveth power to those that are faint. He, and to them that have no might, he increases in strength. Even to the youth, they shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. When you're doing things by your own strength. When you're walking in ignorance. When you're just, 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 just like Jordan was a minute ago. Like, I don't know what's going on. I know what's going on in John's life. I know what's going on in Bob's life. I know what's going on in Mary Beth's life. I know what's going on in DeAndre's life. But I don't know what's going on in, in God's mind. Mm. And God says, pray. It says, they that wait upon the Lord, they'll renew their strength. Oh, so you won't be ignorant no more? No, because watch what happens. You shall mount up with wings like eagles. Amen. What does that have to do with anything? Do you know why an eagle has an advantage? Because it's higher than the rest of everything. And when you start praying, you go up. And instead of having this little, short, earthly sight, you can see two feet in front of you. Your eyesight is like 2100. Mm. You know, that's me when I take my contacts off at night. What does this bottle say? <laughs> NyQuil? I shouldn't take that. I'm looking for shampoo here. <laughs> God says, pray. <laughs> you see everything going on. Glory to God. Do you know why? When you counsel people and there is an affair, the wife will say, I had no idea. My husband was cheating on me. Or you find a broken-hearted parent, I had no idea. My son was struggling with homosexuality. I had no idea because you valued your work above prayer and you lost sight. Brent, Emily, come here for a second. Let me show you one more. I'm not like having a magic show here tonight, but I want you to see this. I want you to see this. Now this is just for sake of example. This is a lovely, happy, wonderful married couple. Amen. Amen. They Amen. met. They wonderful. They met here in the ministry. This is our first This is our first marriage front. They met right here at a supernatural service. Amen. Match.com. Match.com. Right, I'm match.com. It was me. I said, Emily, well, I want to, you know, Emily, I want to invite you to serve on this team. My God, I will come and serve with us. She said, okay. She didn't know there was a lion waiting for her right here. Right here. 
<laughs> I'm Brett. I heard you like the supernatural. <laughs> I heard you like God. I'm like, that's good. I like God too. Amen. My God. Well, this is going to be Steve, and this is going to be Sally. Okay. So maybe in marriage. So this is not Brett. Okay. You understand what I'm saying here? Okay. We got that. Steve is out Steve. here. Steve is out here doing stuff. You know, maybe being tempted, marriage isn't so good, working a lot of hours, at the office, meeting his boss's demands, got in, you know, all that kind of stuff. Well, you know, Sally. She ain't having that. No, 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 well, Sally's not, she, 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 Emily's not having that. But Sally is having it. Sally is <sighs> spending days, watching days of our lives, you know, uh, painting my nails. Painting her nails. What else do girls do? Eat cookies. Eating cookies. <laughs> text messaging people. All this time on her hands. When her husband is at work with the sickle, putting it to the <laughs> ground, doing a man's job, taking his lunch to work, having five minutes to eat it, and she's at home. <laughs> Wonder if my husband wants dinner tonight. Maybe I'll think about making it for him. No prayer. So then all of a sudden, Steve comes home with some bad news. That the marriage has been compromised. That, oh, you know, old Jane just wouldn't leave him alone at work. And well, it's been going on for six months, but the pressure got to me at work. And, and, and now Sally's sitting in the pastor's office saying, What happened? I had no idea this was going on. I just couldn't see it coming. Oh, if I would have known that you liked Jane, I would have tried to do my hair the way she would. What did you want from me? You didn't want... Oh. And you know what the pastor's sitting there like? This is a mess. Do you know what the problem is? 500 points for this man right here. No prayer. Do you know what a smart couple does? This is Brett. Say hello, Brett. Hello. hello, Brett. This is Emily now. They've been instructed in the things of God. Yes. So Emily says, my husband goes to work every day. Right? Mm -hmm. right? He's a hardworking man. Now, he's a faithful man. But let me tell you something. I don't care. The demons are going to come after faithful men. And those demons are in people. Jezebel walks around every day. He will send Jezebel into where he works. Hello, Brett. Oh, you're married? That's nice. And slowly but surely, years after years, Jezebel will try and speak bad about the marriage. Jezebel will come up. You really like being married? Well, I tried marriage, yeah, but it just didn't work for me. And then, this is how it works. But watch this. So he's at work, working hard. And Emily says, I'm a praying wife. You know what women need to be today? Not independent women. Right. <laughs> I know, that's off the I won't do it again. Not independent women. They need to be praying women. Amen. I'm just going to get married, and he's going to do everything for me because I'm God's princess. Well, God's princess prays. Amen. Amen. <laughs> princess. Queen of the king, uh -huh, amen. You know what God say? Uh-uh, pray. pray. Don't work like that. 
Do you know what starts happening? We start making people feel entitled, like they don't have to do anything. Well, princess, your husband cheated on you because you didn't pray. But Emily says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to wake up early and pray for my husband. Amen. I'm going to wake up. We're going to go to bed at night. And we're not going to turn the light off until we've finished watching Jimmy Kimmel? No. <laughs> finished watching Thursday Night Football? No. Finished watching Dukes of Hazzard? No. <laughs> Nobody watches that no more. Then you pray. Do you know what this does? This is called the lasso of prayer. Prayer is Emily's lasso. Turn this way. Emily is praying for Brett. Hold the, you're, the, you're the praying one, not me. Brett, stand over here. Stand over here. Emily has the prayer lasso, okay? Emily is the prayer cowboy. So she's praying. Brett's over here. She's not getting far. She is not getting far. Hold that up so they can see his prayer. Hold this up. He's taking a picture. Let him know. This is the lasso of prayer. And she says, you know what? You're too much of a, a my, you're, what do you call him? A hunk? What do you call him? I don't know. What do women call it? You're too much. Yeah, whatever. You're too much. What? Spell me out here, please. We're too much of whatever you are to me. So I'm not going to let anybody come between us. So she you know what she does? She starts praying for him and she has lassoed him by prayer. Oh, yeah, yeah. So guess what now? A little tighter. A little, oh, a little tighter, yeah. She's praying hard. She's praying in the spirit. So guess what now? Now he may be at work. But they're connected. Okay, now they're oh, they're connected. This is a connect. So you, yeah. you could go to Houston yeah. on business. Yeah. You could go to Israel yeah. and China and yeah. Japan. Yeah. There's no limit to how yeah. much slack this thing will yeah. get off. Because in the spirit, there is no distance at all. She's praying. I'm gonna keep praying for. Her. I'm gonna keep praying for. Her. And every time that Jezebel comes along, yay, 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 yay. Yeah. Yeah. And then Brett comes home to his wife. You want to hear about my trip? I already know how it was. How do you know? I've been praying. Hallelujah. You know why families get broke apart? No prayer. Do you know why families get disrupted? No prayer. Do you know why you have no idea what's going on in your kid's life? No prayer. Amen. No prayer. Clap for them, amen? My team had to watch a YouTube video to learn how to make a lasso. Amen. That's how much we love you. Let me finish these up. So, prayer keeps you, connects you to a person even though you're not near them. You have wings like eagles. You see, you have spiritual vision. And even though they're far from you, you know what's going on in their life. Prayer makes you wise. Someone say wise. Wise. And I'll just jump over these. Prayer and fellowship with the Lord produces boldness. Prayer teaches you how to submit to authority. Mm. See, when you're in prayer, people that are rebellious against authority. I'm not calling my pastor, pastor. I'm calling him Jeff by his name. I'm not calling my pastor my spiritual father, even though he's fathered me because I didn't. I'm calling him Rick. He's just a man like everyone else. But when you go see Dr. Stone, you don't call him Todd. Where am I getting all these names from? I got them written down. I'm just teasing. You call him Dr. Stone. 
Yeah, because you respect him. Doctor, I'm sick. Fix me. You don't want him to be Todd. You want him to be Dr. Stone because Dr. Stone knows how to help you. Todd knows how to hang out with you. Amen. So when you are in prayer, you will sense God covering you. Amen. And you know what you will love to be covered. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, thank you. You cover me. Yeah. Women that do not pray don't ever feel Jesus covering them. Mm -hmm. And many times they will despise a man's covering. Mm -hmm. Don't get that door for me. I'll get it myself. Mm -hmm. oh, I just want to get a door for you. No. Don't you dare get that door. I can get my own door. Why are you just trying to be a gentleman? I don't care what you're trying to be. You haven't been covered by Jesus. A man, talking to singles, a man is supposed to lay his life down for you. The way Jesus laid down for the church. And men, oh men, there's something for you too, guys. Men that don't feel God covering them and never experience the covering of Jesus, they will not know how to cover a woman. Hmm. Yeah, you know, sister, every time I go out with him, he lets me get my own doors. He doesn't ever buy me anything. He forgets my birthday. He's just not nice. You know why? Because you don't know what it's like to be covered. You don't see how Jesus has your back. You don't see how Jesus has mediated for you. Amen? And so when you're submitting to God in prayer, it produces humility and a humble spirit. Mm. You know how people, you know people, they walk around arrogant. Yeah, no, there's some people that have authority. Mm. Some people that can have to be authoritative. They have to be disciplinarians mm. at times. They have to walk with a big stick and can't always be nice. But you know what? When you meet them, they're humble. How can I serve you? Mm -hmm. Amen. We're almost done. Mm. You guys have been especially good tonight. And humble people have no problem submitting to others, especially the leadership God has over them because they know this leadership is part of God's covering, the same covering they experience when they're praying. Amen? That's 1 Peter 5, 5-6. You can look the scripture. 1 Peter 5, 5-6. One more. Two more. Prayer teaches us how to be resourceful and innovative and not wasteful and ignorant. When David spent time with God <clears throat> he was singing songs unto him in 1 Samuel chapter 17 he didn't need all of Saul's armor it would have been wasteful David said I'll be innovative those rocks they're not just stones they're giant killing weapons and so you may not have a lot. You may be just starting your business. You don't have a lot to start with. You don't have a lot of money. You're not going to find a, you know, someone to come, a hedge fund to give you a $150,000 loan. You don't even know if you'll succeed. You don't want to pay that back. So you know what you do? You say, God, show me how to use what I have and how to be innovative with what I have. And God will say, oh, I'll show you how to make a good-looking uh, website for cheap. I'll show you how to make, uh, you know, whatever you need. God will show you how to do it and do it with excellence. Amen until God adds on to you. Amen. You don't have to fake it until you make it. There's nothing fake about this. You know what you have to do? Just be innovative. Amen. Women, the Bible says in Proverbs 31 that a good woman wakes up yes. before it's light and she's praying. Why is she up so early? Well, she's working. She prays. And then the Bible says she considers a field and then she purchases it. 
Yes. You know what you mean? She's competent and she's thinking. Oh, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't buy this deal. I'm going to bargain this guy down before I buy it. Shows him how to be resourceful. You know where that comes from? God's character. You know where God's character comes from? Prayer. Do you see how these things, if we don't pray, will be lacking to some degree in our life? And then, this is very powerful. Prayer keeps us from being self-centered and we become God-centered and God is people-centered. It's all about me. all about me. This is about me. It's not about you. You know what prayer produces? I was writing on this yesterday, working on the third book, self-forgetfulness. This is not the Chris Palmer show. This is not the Jordan Poland show. This is the gospel show. Amen. Yes. Amen. Prayer, people who pray for others will have a true interest in others. And you will rejoice when they rejoice and you will weep when they weep. Okay. Amen. Okay. You're not. Brother so-and-so is going through a hard time. Difficulty in their family and they're weeping. You know what you'll do? You'll get alongside them and you'll weep with them. Yes. I'm not saying we have a pity party and it's all sickness is beating us all down here. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that. But you know what the Bible says? He is a fool who greeted someone with a loud voice in the morning. Amen. I knew a guy every time. Amen! Amen! Six o'clock in the morning. Go, boy! Yeah, amen! Stop! And think! It's six o'clock in the morning. Put all that away! Amen, brother. Just say the amens till about nine, okay? <laughs> Be sensitive to people. They're not where you're at. The, the weeping and rejoicing is almost metaphorical for have a compassionate heart and put yourself in other people's shoes. That will make you an effective minister of God. Okay. Amen. Amen. You know what people want more than anything in ministry? And I'm going to teach on ministry service here. We're going to talk about how to be excellent ministers. I have two guest speakers coming in these series. Just be here for them. Now they're going to teach you how to be excellent. And the number one thing people want when you're ministering to them is to be understood. Yes. I can't minister to you unless you know that I understand what you're going through. Yes. Jesus couldn't minister to me unless Jesus understood what I was going through. Understand what people are going through. It connects you to that person. Because if you just go around and... Just try and skip that part. It won't be any fruit. Mm -hmm. Amen. So we understand what intercession is. We understand that the investment, the people that didn't get here to hear what I was saying, I'm teaching these classes so to be an investment in your life. Let's stand to our feet tonight as we close. Now that you've heard the light of today, connect with us. Go to our website, lightoftoday.org. Write us at P.O. Box 403, Wald Lake, Michigan, 48390. Or tweet Chris Palmer at twitter.com forward slash Chris Palmer. Our podcasts are free and updated regularly. So make sure to share them with a friend and tune in again to the light of today with Chris Palmer.